we're going to go into Hebrews starting in October, but for the next few weeks, I, I wanted to rehash our values again. When I was in the Marine Corps, they were constantly reminding me of what my mission was. I'm constantly. I mean, it, it was not, they were so repetitious, and that's one way they ingrained it into you. And I don't know if you notice this about Jesus, but with the disciples, if, as you read through the Gospels, do you see how he says the same thing over and over and over and over and over to him? Jesus was purposely repeti- uh, repetitious in what I thought it would be good for us to do. I want to go over these core values. I hope if somebody stops you, Riley, you could tell them what the core values are. God's Word, our authority and starting point. Prayer, staying close to our commander. Evangelism, engaging witnesses for impact. Discipleship, making His last command our first priority. And then community, a band of brothers around the Word of God. That's our five core values. To me, those things drive me about what we do here. God's Word is a starting point. So this week we're going to look at God's Word and and prayer. Next week we're going to look at uh, discipleship. The next week we're going to look at community. And really, when, when I talk about the Bible, it's kind of like when we think of the Bible, why don't we read the Bible, men? Why, why do we struggle so hard? We know it's good. We know it's valuable to us. But if you really stop, and if I got everybody to just write down how much they've read in the last 30 days on a sheet of paper, you could just jot down. Could you even jot down any chapters that you've read in the last 30 days? Why is it so hard to do that? Why do we struggle? Well, I'll tell you why. I think it's, we think it's hard to understand. People, people don't read because they, they look at the Bible and they go, I just don't understand it. And they try to read the Bible because they can understand the English words that are written there. They think they should be able to understand the concepts. Now, Teddy, would you ever expect a six-year-old to understand Calculus 4? No, sir. Why? Too hard, they don't understand. Their brains aren't developed enough to comprehend it because what do you have to have? Building blocks, right? You start off with two plus two equals four, basic arithmetic. And then you go from basic arithmetic up to what? More complicated arithmetic. Then you go to algebra. Then you go to geometry. Then you go to trigonometry. Then you do pre cal. Then you do cal one, cal two, cal three, and then cal four. There's a progression. But for us, because we look at the Bible and we can understand the English words, we read it and we go, I don't understand that. And it would be like if I just plopped a Cal 4 book in your lap and you've never had math, you go, I don't understand that. That's natural and normal. See, what we want is abnormal. We want to be able to go from not having any basic building blocks spiritually to understanding Cal 4 spiritually. And when we can't do it, we're frustrated and we go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to read that. I don't get anything out of it. Instead of when we read the Bible and say, God, listen, I can't understand this without you helping me. Help me see one thing in this passage about me. Help me see one thing in this passage about you. This is God's Word. You know, when I was, uh, went to OCS back, this was in 1981. Officer School. Yeah, Officer Candidate School. Yeah, when I was at Officer Candidate School, which was a, a screening process, I 
I had already told Lori I was going to marry her. And she wrote me letters when I was there. And, and I still remember, we were there for six weeks, right? But about the second week, we started getting letters. And when I got those letters, do you think I read those letters? Absolutely, I read those letters. Why? Because other than that letter, everything else in my life at that point was nothing but screaming at me. I had drill sergeants screaming at me. I'd already gotten in trouble with one of the drill sergeants. So when those letters came, it was like, oh, this is from somebody I love. I want to read it. I wouldn't have just taken that and thrown it. Oh, I don't care about that. Why? Because I had a relationship with the person who wrote it to me. And I think when we start to understand that this comes from the God of creation who wants a relationship with you, then it begins to have more value for you to try to understand. But until we really get to that point, a lot of times I think, I think our dysfunctional relationship with God is a big reason sometimes we don't read the Bible. Because we have grown up in a culture that makes us think that the relationship with God is nothing more than getting a ticket stamp to go to heaven. And that was never what it was about. That's the byproduct. He, he sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross so that you could be incorporated into His family and serve Him in the world in which you walk every day. And to serve Him as a person who's His representative, His ambassador, is the word Paul uses. So when we don't have a good functional relationship with God, we can struggle to read the Bible. And so what do we do? If you realize that, man, maybe I haven't had that good relationship with God like I need, how do you handle that? You <laughs> repent. You just say, God, man, I, I have, I've been so selfish. You ever been selfish with your wife? Yeah. What do you do? If you never repent, you never take care of it, then you just stay separated. And God doesn't want that. That's why we have to have accountability. That's why we have to have encouragement and understand. Listen, nobody in this room is any better than anybody else spiritually. We're all at level ground under the cross. And the problem is, we tend to hold people up who live a godly life and we look at them and, and we think, oh man, they're so spiritual. You know, the longer Paul lived in his life, the more wretched he knew he was. Because he knew his heart. See, I can fool you guys in the way you see me live out there, but the one person I can't fool is Jesus Christ. Because He knows everything about my heart. We live in a world, guys, where there's so many landmines for us. How in the world can we function without His truth to give us perspective and hope and encouragement? Some people don't read because they think it's boring and irrelevant. So, as we think about why we don't read, let me think about why we should read. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. When's the last time you meditated day and night on God's Word? He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever He does prospers. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all the money in the world, all the health in the world. Guys, do you realize about, and for you guys who are at the retreat, you know this, about two months ago, 60 days, I said, Lord, 
to the best of my ability, every day from now to the day I die, I'm going to do my best to try to memorize one Bible verse. One Bible verse. And you know what convicted me? There was this pastor up in North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He's memorized 42 books of the Bible. He memorized the whole book of Matthew. That's a thousand verses, guys. 1,078 verses. He's memorized all that stuff, and I'm sitting here going, I've memorized one book in my life, 2 Timothy. And I was sitting there thinking, why don't I memorize? You know why? I just haven't made it a value to memorize. And so, about two months ago, I decided that I was going to memorize Psalm 119. It's 176 verses, right? And, and so it, it's one of my spiritual bucket list items, and I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and I was scared because I don't like doing things I know I can't do. And, and so I put it off and put it off, and finally I just felt like God nudging me through that conversation with a friend of that pastor's up there, and I said, okay, I'm going to start with Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is 14 verses. So 60 days ago... I started memorizing Psalm 19 and I memorized those 14 verses. And then my wife and I started doing it. Every day I would take one verse and I would just meditate 30 to 50 times throughout that day on that one verse. And you know what I found? I found that my, my spiritual sensitivity began to grow. My, my love for God's Word began to grow. And here's the thing. You know, and I've talked to some of you about this and you say, well, I can't memorize. You memorize stuff every day. How many of you guys have alarm codes you got to memorize? Phone numbers you got to know. Songs that you hear on the radio, you can complete the words before you even hear them. Because you know them. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good. See, you know it, right? Why? Because you memorize stuff. We all memorize stuff. It's what we decide we're going to value to memorize. And, and, and I was convicted of that, so I started memorizing Psalm 19. Why? Because Psalm 19 is God's Word about His Word. It's a synopsis of Psalm 119. And then I went from there to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-12. through You know what that says? How many of you guys want to know what the will of God is? Everybody, you want to know what God's will for your life is? John, if you could sit with God and ask Him that, wouldn't you want to know that? For this is the will of God, your sanctification, which means your growth, that you abstain, which means you stay away from sexual immorality, that each man knows how to control his own body, and holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and we solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this doesn't disregard man, but he disregards God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. You think that's a good passage to memorize? Amen. 
It no, is. For me. Right? It's a, it's a, <laughs> As I begin memorizing that, you know what? Now when the yoga pants lady walks by, that verse pops into my head. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Why? Because in the passion of lust in my life, I would just say, wow, I would like to be with that lady. But that's not the way we operate. And that verse reminds me of that. So do you think God's Word has value to our everyday life? Because what would happen if I went and got with that lady? What would happen to my family? What would happen to my kids and my wife? That would not be part of what God designed for me and what He really wants. You see, the family is the building block of faith that God wants to demonstrate His community to the world in. And it's all screwed up now because we've gotten away from His Word. But Psalm 19 is His Word about His Word. And I want us to go there. I want to read three passages of Scripture to you, or four passages that I sent out. Some of them are just going to be verses. But Psalm 19 is one of them. I'm going to read in the ESV. But I'm going to quote it to you because to me there's something about the spoken Word. And guys, I'm going to tell you, I had not memorized for a long time. I go up and down in my life, but I had not memorized. The last time I memorized a large section of Scripture was when my oldest son, Russ, who's now 30, he's, he's 32, or he'll be 32 in October, he was 14. So that's 18 years ago. And I'm like, why have I waited so long? Because the enemy just allowed me to be distracted with other things and not value it. But when I got up this morning, and I say the psalm every morning, by the way, or every day. I say it once a day because it reminds me. Psalm 19 is beautifully broken down. The first six verses basically talk about how creation speaks about God and testifies to who God is. And the next eight verses talk about His Word and the value of His Word. But when I got up this morning, I don't know if you saw how starry it was. It was awesome. All the stars in the sky. And I thought about this psalm. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In them, He has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also 
from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Guys, that is God's word about His word. It is His word that says, the heavens declare. I mean, think of Romans 1. You know, the native in Africa, I get asked a lot of times, what about the people that have never heard? They can see in creation that there's a creator. In the intricate design of the world in which we live, it screams that there's a designer. And no one is without excuse. When God takes me to some obscure village over in India, and nine people raise their hand and say, yes, I want to start following Jesus after hearing about Him in the Gospel, it tells me that God would bring me thousands and thousands of miles to some remote village just to bring a few of His children into the fold. He's a great God. And that's His Word about His Word. And basically it reveals six descriptions. Every time in Psalm 19, and now I'm reading Psalm 19, 119, it's the same thing. When you see the law, you see the, the, you know, the commandment, when you see uh, the testimonies, when you see the statutes, the precepts, all those things refer to God's Word. That's the six descriptives of it. And then he gives six characteristics. It's perfect. It's pure. It's right. It's clear. It's clean. It's true. Think about all those things he's saying about his word. And then think about the effects. It revives the soul. I'm telling you, as I've gone through this thing with Rachel and even struggles with Lori as she struggled with physical pain, I go to God's Word and it revives my soul. I read some of these passages in Psalm and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Yesterday, the memory verse was uh, Psalm 119.50. And, and it basically it said, my comfort and my affliction is the promise of your word. That's Psalm 119.50. Here's one thing that I learned. You know, I've, I've read through the Bible, David, at least 15 times in my life. Okay? I've probably read through the Gospels 100 to 200 times. When I was reading Psalm 119 to memorize it, I learned something, John, that I never knew. That the, the, the Psalm 119 is broken up 176 verses into 22 sections based on the Hebrew alphabet. Aleph, Beth, Gemil, or Galil. Yeah, say it. Galil. Galil. Uh, and, and then Daleth, Daleth. Um, but those are the Hebrew alphabets. Each section comes under one of the letters, and it's eight verses. So there's eight, eight verses per section times 22. So right now, I'm in section number seven, right? So Because I, I, I memorized 50, uh, 48 verses. I do, I do a, a section a week. That's my goal, to do a section a week. So I've memorized 50, 50 verses as of <clears throat> yesterday. But yesterday's verse was about my comfort and my affliction is the promise of your word. Yeah. Doug, I know if you make it a priority, you'll do what you say you'll do. 
But when your busy schedule as you are, yeah. how do you find time to do that? I, I know <laughs> the answer is, if you make it a priority, you will, but you got a heavy schedule. Okay, so in the morning when I wake up, first thing I do is I look at my verse for the day. True. So the very first thing I do, Absolutely. this is my verse today. I say it 10 times to myself right there. First of there. all, you're thanking for your breath. Well, yeah, well, that's I I, I, say yeah, I do. I get up and I do. I thank God for the day. But then I, I, I look at that verse and I repeat it 10 times to myself. Okay. Before I go to bed, I repeat it 10 times to myself, plus the verse before <coughs> when I go to bed. I do both of them. Throughout the day, that verse resonates on my mind all day. If I forget it, I pull out my thing or I write it down sometimes so that I've got it. When I'm in my truck and I'm at a stoplight, I'm looking at that verse. When I'm at the YMCA and I'm on the machine, instead of looking at some junk on the news, I'm looking at that verse. I just make different choices in my life about what I'm going to put in front of my eyes. And let me tell you, you go, well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's fine. But if you want to memorize, you'll do what you have to do to memorize. Now listen, I told Lori, one of my struggles was that I was going to my goal was I'm leading a group to Israel in January. As I want to be able to quote, I want to quote, I want to be able to quote Psalm 119 to the group in Caesarea in the amphitheater. That's what I want to do. That's that's what I've asked God to let me do. He may not let me do that. I may get there and I may not be able to quote it. I mean, right now I've memorized 50 verses, but I may get 70 and go, "Okay, I can't do it anymore, man. I'm just done." What have I lost? If I can't quote any verses, but I spend the next 60 days going through one verse a day, saying it throughout the day, what have I lost? Isn't that meditation? Am I not spending time every day with it? So, So the fact that you just can't repeat it for somebody doesn't matter as much as the fact that you're spending time going over it and meditating on it. And that's what it says. Listen, Joshua 1.8 says, don't let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Guys, I'm just telling you, that's what I'm doing now. I've been doing it for 60 days. And, and it's changed me. It's changed my heart for His Word. And I'm just telling you, Satan is content for you to go to Bible study, you listen to messages, you listen to good teaching, and then go out and never do anything with it. And listen, you can read the Bible every day, but if you don't apply it, it does. Jesus said that's like a guy who builds his house on sand. You can't just, you got to think about it. And what as I'm meditating on it, what happens is that turns me to prayer. You see, two of the most important spiritual disciplines are reading the Bible and praying. Everything else flows out of those. So if you read your Bible and you pray and and you go, listen, I don't understand it. Well, keep reading and asking God to just give you one insight. One insight. I don't know where to start. Pick Matthew. We've talked through Matthew for two years. Go to Matthew. Surely you understand one thing there now. Three years, sorry, three years. Thanks for that reminder. Dave. Who's counting? Yeah. Psalm one nineteen eleven says, "I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." Psalm one nineteen eleven. <coughs> 
I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How are you hiding his word if you don't memorize? How is it getting in you? Ron, where'd you go to church last Sunday? What, what what did he preach on? He preached on uh, God's love. You remember the verse he used? He actually used quite a few. He went Jonah for quite a bit. Do you remember them? I didn't memorize them. No. And you won't. Most of the time you walk out of the church, you may remember a story, but you're not going to remember the verses necessarily that the <clears throat> pastor uses unless it strikes you and you go there and you start spending time meditating on it. That's my point, is we need to meditate. The word meditate means to chew on like a cow chewing cud, all right? And, and, and we need to spend time with it. And God's Word, listen, most of the guys in this room, is there anybody in here who would really question the value of God's Word in their life? Is it, I mean, it's okay if you do. Be honest. I don't think anybody in here would question the value. The question for us is, do we make a priority out of the valuing of God's Word in our life? And going back to what you said, Teddy, we're all busy. Everybody's busy. I get so cra- I crack up when people tell me, well, I can't come to SWAT because my life's busy. I'm like, my life's busy. Everybody's life's busy. You know, if you think you're... I, I, everybody, I, I'm convinced the reason God gave me five girls at home and some of them with special needs is to take away excuses from guys because I'm happy to share my girls with anybody who thinks they have a busy life. And after about a week, I promise you, you will say, wow, okay, I'm not as busy as I thought I was. I mean, it, it, it never stops. It never stops. Life is busy for everybody in doing different things. We make priorities out of the things that are important to us. And guys, I'm just telling you, one of our core values is His Word. If it's our authority, how can it be our authority if we don't know what it says? If we don't hide it in our heart? God's Word is, is it revives the soul. You know, people ask me, I get calls from guys who, who make more in one month than I made in the last two years. And they, they're asking me for counsel. Asking me for wisdom. And one guy said about two months ago, he goes, how did you learn all this stuff? You know why? Because it makes wise the simple. I'm a simple guy. I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi, guys. In a rural area. And my PE major, for goodness sakes. Nothing wrong with being a coach. We all like coaches growing up. But I did not get a degree in engineering. But His Word makes wise the simple. And that's why these guys call. I, I, got, I got guys calling me from Atlanta and other places that I'm like, why are they? I, don't, I don't solicit these calls. But they see something, and what it is is time in God's Word. And I'm telling you, the more time I spend in His Word, the better perspective I have on life. And that's what He says. It makes wise the simple. Spend time in the Word. I, I hope that you understand that it's, the only reason this book would be boring to you 
and irrelevant to you is because it's a book about God versus a book about your God. You see the difference? If it's a book about God, it could be irrelevant. If it's a book about my God, it's no longer irrelevant. Because if God is who He said He is, and He's going to do what He says He's going to do, I might want to have a understanding of what He wants me to know and how to live for Him. People come to me after their lives fall apart and going, I don't understand. And they've tried to live apart from God's design and His boundaries that He set. And they try to do life on their own. And then they realize that it doesn't work out too well that way. Because it doesn't mean your life's perfect, but what happens is as you grow through difficult times, you have perspective and understanding. When you start doubting God's love because of your circumstances, you don't see the big picture of the Bible, which is He sent His Son Jesus to die for us on a cross. And, and you don't gauge God's love by your circumstances. You gauge His love by the fact that He sent His Son to die that wicked death so that you could be in a relationship with the Father. And this is temporary. All this stuff is temporary. I shared an illustration. I did the Atlanta Falcons Chapel a couple of weeks ago when they were in town. And I said, I, got, I want you guys to imagine for a second that some guy shows up at training camp, and he's got the uniform on, you know, the practice uniform, and he's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here, but I want to play with you guys, and I'm really good. And uh, you start talking to him, you find out he's never played real football in his life. He goes, but I'm good at John Madden football. Man, I play video game football, and I'm great. I'm really, really good at the computer version of it. That guy would get killed out on a football field. He would get decimated. Or even better, I said, what if you, let's say you didn't go to training camp. Let's just go, you say, you know what, I don't need to strength train. I don't need to condition. What would happen to you? One of the veterans said, we'd get killed. We'd be out of shape. And it would destroy us. Guys, that's what happens when we don't read the Bible and we don't pray. Reading the Bible and, and praying is like strength training and conditioning is to an NFL player. Every week they go into the battle and if they don't train, if they don't do what they've got to do, then when they get on the field, it's going to show and that's what happens in our lives. When we don't spend time in the Word, we don't spend time praying. And listen, I, I want to talk a little bit about praying because we only have a couple of minutes left. <clears throat> Prayer... For a lot of us, is we use spiritual speak. I use that term in the question I sent out to you. We grow up really struggling, I think, to, to be authentic with God. We think prayer ought to sound a certain way. And if it doesn't sound a certain way, it's not spiritual. <clears throat> and you know what prayer really is? It's just communicating with God as a child communicates with his Father. I'm not saying... That, that we don't give Him some level of decorum or, or honor or reverence. But all I'm saying is that a lot of times our prayer, we go even into a different voice when we pray. And, and, we, and, and it's not who we are. 
Some of the most authentic prayers for me have been when I've prayed for my children or for my marriage or for my wife or for my people that are hurting and I just and I'm just talking to God. And I've I've gotten there was a book called Practicing the Presence of God by a guy named Brother Lawrence. And I learned a lot from that book because he thought to be spiritual, he had to be off in like a monastery kind of way, but instead he realized he can be spiritual as he's cleaning dishes. Because the spiritual component is not your posture necessarily, it can be, but it's your heart condition and your attitude of connection with God. And as it relates to prayer, I had a guy on SWAT radio, and if you didn't hear the interview, I would encourage you to go back. He wrote a book called The Praying Life. His name is Paul Miller. If you go to SWATradio.com, you can just go to that email I sent out, click on that link and search for Paul Miller. Listen to that interview. His book is one of the best on prayer that's out there. And it's just about being authentic with God. Talking to God the way you would talk. Like I talk to Woody when I come in here. This is Woody's establishment. And I, just, I talk to Woody and I'm friendly with Woody and I just talk to him as a guy talking to a guy. But a lot of times when we go to God, we talk to Him like He's way away and like He, he doesn't have time to be busy. And people say, well, I don't want to bother God with that. Why? Is there anything too big for God? Is there anything too big for God, first of all? We all agree, right? Is there anything too small for God? I don't think so. Why? He owns everything. Yeah, he already knows it, right? But it, it, I want you to imagine for a second if you have children, if your child comes up to you, Sean, and he goes, Dad, can I talk to you about something? Are you going to go, No, nah, I really don't want to talk? You want your kid to talk to you, especially, it's funny, as your kids are young, you don't want them to that much because you're like trying to get stuff done and they always come up right when you're trying to get something. My daughter Kate even now does that. I'll, right when I sit down to start doing something, she'll come over and she'll sit on the couch and just sit down like this, like, hi, Dad. What you doing? Now, what's she doing when she does that? What? Yeah, she just wants some connection, right? Let me tell you guys, unlike us, because we feel busy, we feel like we have limited time and we have to rush to get everything else. The God of all creation longs for you to do that with Him. He longs for you to want to be there with Him just to say, hey dad, man, thanks for this beautiful sunshine that I take for granted every day. Thank you that you put me in this place, this incredible place that I live called Pontevedra. Thank you for all these guys that you put into my life that I get to connect with and I have encouragement with. Thank you for your word that gives me wisdom and helps me understand and not do stupid stuff like I used to do before I read your word. Thank you, God, for, for giving me a mom and dad that taught me to work hard. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for Paul. Oh my gosh, all the stuff he went through, God. Thank you for Peter. Yeah, I know he stuck his foot in his mouth a lot, but Lord, I've learned a lot from Peter. And thank you for writing about him. Thank you for reminding me of the important things. 
just conversation with God about things He's done. Things that are on your heart, your dreams. When's the last time you talked to God about a dream that you had? And no, you don't have to start stop dreaming just because you hit 50 years old or 60 years old. He gives us dreams and things that we want to do. And when you, you ask Him, God, help me. You know, sometimes this, this memorization thing gets me. Like I, I get a little... I know you find this hard to believe maybe, but I, I get paralyzed with fear thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do this. Because I hate failure. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like failure. Nobody does, but I detest it. And I, 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 I don't like doing things that have a high risk of me not doing, or completing the task. And so sometimes I'll, I just have to, I'll get, I'll get anxious about it. I say, Lord, I know this is all you. You help me do this. And I talk to him about it. That's all prayer is. So when we, we say staying close to the commander, guys, that's all we're talking about is when you get in a bind, let me just ask you this, Eddie. When you get in a bind with worldly situations, circumstances, is your first response to pick up the phone and call somebody or to talk to God? I start praying. That's what you should do. That's what we should do. He wants us to go to Him. But you know what I used to do? I would call two or three guys that I know love God, that I know are wise, before I'd talk to Him sometimes. Because I would just want to know, what would they do? What would they do? What would they do? Instead of going to Him, because He may not want me to do what they did. He may want me to do something completely different. Prayer is staying close to Him. And like what John said earlier, if it's His will for us to know His will, then that's okay. But sometimes He may not want us to. Sometimes we get going down this road and we think, okay, that's where we're going. And God goes, nope, I want you going this way. Well, wait a minute. God, I thought we had a plan. I thought... He goes, no, that was your plan. Yeah. This is my plan over here. And the question for us is, and this is what I was talking to one of these guys about, are we comfortable with God changing our plan? That's where the trust and faith come in. Is our wife comfortable with Him changing? Yeah, and that doesn't really matter, to be honest with you. Sometimes, I, I will tell you, there are times, listen, I always include my wife in my decisions as we pray through stuff, but ultimately, at the end of the day, there may, there may be sometimes that your wife doesn't want to do something because of some kind of... If she's not walking in the Spirit in some way, you're responsible to lead. And if you make a choice to not do what God wants you to do because your wife says otherwise, that's why the whole thing got started down a bad path when Adam said, nope, I'm going to eat this fruit. Because Eve said she did it. And she gave it to me. That's the whole thing. And we live in a culture right now that has completely made male leadership in the home something that we struggle with and it's a bad thing it's not a bad thing it's god's creative design it doesn't mean we lord it over people it doesn't mean we 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 lead by serving i promise you women are not praying for weak men to lead them they're not praying for men with weak faith to lead them 
And most women, if they have a man who leads like Christ, they'll follow that guy. If they're women of God, if they want to have a... And if you've been married 50 years, you get to see the progression of that coming mm-hmm. about. It's not instant. It takes a lot of work, a long time, positive reinforcement coming from God, negative reinforcement coming from him, and from your wife. Mm-hmm. But boy, it's worth it. Well, let me... Um, let me give you these thoughts as we close, okay? First thing you got to do, Teddy, is have a plan. I believe that. Too many of us do, like when I was in the FBI, they'd say too many guys want to shoot and then go try to draw a target around where they, they shot the bullet. You know? That ain't the way it works. You, you have a plan and follow a plan. So... Guys, you can go on the internet now. There's so many Bible reading plans you can do. Let me encourage you, just pick one. And if all else fails, just read one chapter a day. If you can't muster the time for one chapter a day, you need to loosen up your schedule a little bit, okay? I'm serious. If you can't muster one chapter a day, You need to loosen up your schedule. So have a plan. Second, don't give up. Be persistent. If you miss a day, don't go, oh man, I missed now. I'm behind. Just pick it back up. You know what what I'll do sometimes? Sometimes, like I'll miss a couple of days, and so I'll take that the weekend or Saturday, and I'll read three times as much or four times as much to catch back up. But I follow these plans and I found that that's been helpful for me. It it, it helps me to be disciplined, okay? Third thing is have a journal. Not a diary. A diary says what you did during the day. No, you know, if you want to do a diary, that's good. I'm not a diary guy. But you can have a journal. As you read Scripture, what is one thing that God reveals about Himself? What is one thing He reveals about me? What is a promise in this passage? What is a command in this passage? Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to claim? Is there something, a sin that I need to be... Listen, I can't read the Bible too often without being convicted of something in my own heart. James says it's like a mirror, looking in a mirror. And so, have a journal and find the time that's best for you. Just because I'm an early morning person, for you it might be at night or at noon. Find a time that works for you. So take these steps, and and as you do that, don't let prayer become something that's just a formalized uh, ritual that you do. Jesus in Matthew 6 talked about that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, what does He say? Pray without ceasing with thanksgiving. You know what without ceasing means? So how can you do that? Woody, how do you do that all day? How do you pray all day? Well, you can. But what he's talking about, he's not seeing in our minds, what we think is we're going like this in a corner all day. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is as you go throughout your day, you are praying throughout the day about things. Billy Graham used to say when he'd be sharing the gospel with people, he's praying. God knows our thoughts. So, Woody, as you deal with a situation back in the kitchen where your cook does something wrong, and your first, I'll tell you something that happened to me, I'll use myself as an example. 
The other day, one of my neighbors, my neighbor's really irritated about a tree in my yard. She wants me to cut it down. I told her I ain't cutting it down. The thing's 80 years old. It's 25 inches in diameter. It's a big tree. I said, it's my only shade tree. And, and she can't stand it. Well, after Hurricane Dorian brushed our coast, it blew limbs and trees in her yard. So I'm sitting in my backyard picking up stuff, and all of a sudden I hear thuds. And I'm like, what is that? And I go over there. She's chunking limbs and leaves back in my yard. And I get up, I go and I stand up on my thing, and I say, hey, hey, what are you doing? And she, she looks at me, and she said, I'm putting your limbs back in your yard. I said, they're not my limbs anymore. Technically, the law says that when they fall off of a live tree, they become your limbs. Well, she didn't like that. That was not a good... I mean, but it's true. That's what the law states, okay? Now, I'm just going to tell you that the Marine in me swelled up. I wanted a fight, right? Because I was already mad about the, you know, the, the stuff we were doing. And I wanted, I just wanted to confront and I wanted to deal with it. And I just put my hand on the wall and I said, Lord, I know that this will not be glorifying to you if I escalate this anymore. Help me. Strengthen me. Help me deal with this. And just that moment to go to Him, my spirit calmed. And I said, you know what? I want to be a good neighbor. My daughters and I will come clean up your yard. I don't want you to clean up my yard. So I'm just telling you we will. What I'm telling you is my spirit calm by just praying. And, and guys, that's what God's saying. Pray, or Paul's saying, pray without ceasing, with thanksgiving. So read your word, pray. That's our core value here at SWAT. And I pray that it will be your core value. It doesn't mean you're going to do everything perfect, but let it be your guiding points there, those two spiritual disciplines. All right, let's pray.